High FM, 101.9 megahertz of life. And welcome back to Soul to Soul. I am Rabbi Ari Kievman. It's great to be with you here today. And we're going to continue on our journey of prayer as we stand just a bit more than a week before Rosh Hashanah. And certainly we're getting ourselves ready in so many ways for the journey of a brand new year, 5780. It's going to be a great year ahead and certainly wonderful destinations await us. But if you notice the difference between high holiday services, our Jewish New Year is very different from your typical other New Year. I've seen Chinese New Year's parties. I've seen, uh, I've been to Times Square when they dropped the ball many times. There with millions of people. It is a completely different type of celebration than we are used to. We spend considerably amount of, a lot amount of time in the shul. And so it is most appropriate that we should seek the meaning of purpose of why we're in shul. And in our previous session, maybe a week or two ago, you could check the uh, podcasts if you'd like on chayfm.com. And we discussed the core of Jewish prayer, which, as we explained, the word tefillah, the Hebrew word for prayer means conversation, a connection with God. In fact, it's different than prayer because prayer is about an entreaty. It's a request. It's about what I want. Whereas tefillah is about a personal connection. So many people think that if that's the case, is it just about a connection with God? So today I want to talk with you a little bit about requests because that is something people did ask me. What about if I have personal requests? In fact, if you open a machzor, the high holiday services in the prayer book are replete with personal requests, asking God for all kinds of things. We ask God to inscribe us in the book of life. We ask for health. We ask for wealth. We ask for sustenance. We ask for so many personal things. So how is that consistent with what we discussed previously about prayer being only about connection? And in truth, I asked this question at our JLI course How many people are comfortable asking God for their things? We don't like asking other people for our needs, but we know God is not just another person, another individual. So, of course, asking God is something, if you have that personal, real connection, God is our Father. Why would we be uncomfortable to ask God for our needs? And so, I'd like to try to seek out a little bit about that it's not just about a spiritual connection, but in fact that Judaism endorses us making personal requests, whatever they might be for, you know what you need, and seeking out God's guidance. And in fact, when we talked about Hannah's prayers, or if you look at the Amida every day, in which we say God should heal us, God should provide for all our needs, God should bless the year, God should provide rain, all these things are asking for personal stuff. So obviously, Judaism clearly believes that prayer isn't just about a connection. It's not only about expressing our gratitude and thanks to God for the good things we have, but it is a tool with which we can ask God for whatever things that we desire, for whatever it is in our life that we are seeking. And in fact, the Talmud tells us that it is on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, on these days of all that God decides our fate for the entire year. Not for everything, for our sustenance, you name it, right? You look in the prayers, we say in Asana Tokaf, Rosh Hashanah On Rosh Hashanah it's inscribed, And on Yom Kippur it is signed, it is sealed. 
all the prayers describing the decision that God makes, our fate, the verdict for the entire year. So if this is what the high holidays has for us in store, then what's the point of you praying beyond the high holidays? Right? How does prayer throughout the year make any sense if God already decided and sealed our fate for the year? And I want to share with you a little bit of a Kabbalistic insight because we have to, the Kabbalah explains that when God chose to create the world, God brought into being an entire network, not just of this world that we are familiar with, but of spiritual worlds. And each one is complete with its own identity, various different levels and unique creatures, angels, you name it. So when Rosh Hashanah comes, and Rosh Hashanah, we must recall, is not the anniversary of the world's creation, but rather it's the day that mankind was created, the day Adam and Eve were born by God. And so it's the day that God decides what is going to be with the world, with humanity. We are the purpose of humanity. But interestingly, Kabbalah says there's what's called Seder Hayishtal Shalus, which means a chain process. Now just think of just as you have uh, perhaps you've ordered something from Amazon, any major online business, and oftentimes the delivery comes straight away, but sometimes it takes a little bit of time. Sometimes there are holdups, there are whatever it might be within the system that's preventing it from coming through. So the teachings of Kabbalah say, well, just like in the bank, sometimes there's bureaucracy and red tape and whatever it might be. Well, there's a chain-like process in our world called Seder Haishtalshalus. And indeed, on Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, God decides and issues forth whatever energy that's going to sustain the world for the year. But it passes through this chain until it becomes compatible with our world. And so, in order for it to be compatible with our world, you know, you get a look at the behind-the-scenes um, look, you know, if you look at the, the Java, the HTML that goes on behind your website, you know, you see a nice, beautiful, beautifully designed page when you go on the internet. But if you design websites, you know that actually behind the scenes, there's all this, all these, uh, blocks that build it and create it. So now, the Kabbalah is telling us what goes on in the system of the universe. There's the Seder Yishtalshalos. There's this chain-like process. And what difference does it make? Why is it important for us to be aware of that? Well, perhaps it's a little insight to us that indeed God doesn't just judge the world on Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, but every day we're being judged whether we're worthy of the kindness that God wished to bestow upon us on the days of all. So, Here's this conversion process through which we determine or we could decide our fate. Will these blessings come to fruition and materialize in our lives? So indeed, yes, God grants you the blessings of the high holidays, but it often depends on us every day of our lives to bring the blessings. And of course, this is what happens with what God blesses us is that we're judged and to see if we're worthy. Sometimes there are blockages in the system. Maybe it's a test of God. Maybe, God forbid, retribution for something we may have done inappropriate. 
perhaps we're not ready for the blessing in our life. It's our blessing. You know, you can only win the lottery. Even if God decides that you win the lottery, you'll only win it if you actually buy the ticket. And in the very same way, there's this conversion process which tells us that it's our behavior throughout the year that determines whether the blessings that were allotted to us on Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur will actually materialize in our life in a physical way. So this is a, a really fascinating insight, I think, about why we pray every day. And that's why we ask God for blessings, whatever blessings we need. And the praying Say we pray that someone should get better, someone should recover from an illness, or that our business should take a turn for the better. It's not an exercise in futility because, well, God already decided. Right? If we think that, well, God makes the decision Rosh Hashanah, and it doesn't matter what we do the rest of the year. In fact, I was talking with one of the wealthy men in the community who was telling me about how successful his business is. And I, and I said, why don't you come to shul more often? You know, he says, Rabbi, you go to shul three times a day and you don't have the accumulated wealth that I've got. So I think God doesn't like a nudnik. Maybe that's why God's blessed them with all that. So we're going to be back in a moment and we're going to talk about how to focus that conversion process, that those blessings should literally become manifest in our lives in a proper and abundant way. Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008. And we've been talking about prayer, and so far today we discussed how God's provision on Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur begins as a spiritual energy in the spiritual worlds, and this energy makes its way through many levels in what we call the chain-like process that's known as Seder Ha'ishtalshalus, until it becomes a physical reality in our lives. But the way we are able to actually elicit that blessing in our life is through requesting it of God. And so when we pray, it plays a crucial role, a very important point and purpose in helping this conversion process so that what has been allotted to us doesn't just remain spiritual, but could become something physical. And the question that is coming through here is, but why? Okay, good question. Why is it that we have to pray? Why do we have to pray for the blessings to become if God already bestowed them upon us? Why is the program of the system in this particular way? And perhaps I could tell you one answer from the Gemara is that we could look at the story of the very first human being on record, Adam, who prayed the day he was created. And it's interesting because although this prayer isn't spelled out in the Torah, our sages tell us about it in the course of addressing the inconsistency of the Torah's creation narrative. So what's the inconsistency? Let me share it to you in the words of the Gemara, Chulin Daf Samach Amad Beis. That's Tractate Chulin, page 60b. There the Gemara says, in the verses of Bereshis, we're told in the narrative of creation, on the third day it says, Desha. The earth sprouted forth vegetation. Says the Gemara, the Gemara asks a question. But that was when on the third day of creation. But yet it says, if you go now further on, it says, That no shrub of the field had yet grown on the land. Wait, God created vegetation on the third day, so why had it not grown? Malamed says the Gemara to teach us a lesson. It informs us an important message. 
Shiyatsu to show him that in the day that God created vegetation, they only grew slightly. Amdua Pesach Karka. They remained very below the surface of the ground. Ad Sheba Adam Arishan. Until Adam came along and arrived on the sixth day. Ubike Shalem Rachamim. And Adam prayed for God's mercy. Viyardu Geshamim. As a result of that, what happened, the rains fell, v'tzamchu, and the vegetation grew. Concludes the Gemara, what does this teach us? That Almighty God desires the prayers of the righteous. God wants your prayer. God wants us to pray. And so the vegetation only grew, although it was created on the third day, but it couldn't actually sprout above the ground until the sixth day, when it rained, because God wanted Adam to pray for it. And that's the way God made the world. The Talmud is telling us that when we pray, just as Adam, we experience that God brings the blessings into our life, into this world. Why did God, why did God want Adam to pray? So the Talmud said, because God wants, God desires our prayers. God desired that Adam foster a meaningful connection, a relationship with God that happens at the time of prayer. So in, indeed, while Adam prayed, because he had a need, he needed vegetation to subsist. But as the Talmud puts it, he had that need so that he would pray. I think it's a, a very profound thought that it's not about we pray because we have needs. You know why we have needs? Why does God give us needs in our life? That not everything is as perfect as it ought to be. Because God seeks our prayers. So hopefully we can understand why our prayers are the tool of choice to translate those blessings from the spiritual realm into our physical reality. And just as God desired this relationship with Adam, God desires this relationship with you, with every one of us. You want those blessings in your life? Just pray for it and God will provide it. Hold on a second though. Suppose the rain fell before Adam came around. Do we really think that Adam would not have turned to God in prayer? Is that really the case? Do we not as human beings know that we ought to turn to God and ask God for our needs and perhaps to be thankful for all the good things we have in our life? Wouldn't Adam realize that that's the appropriate thing to do? To pray to God, to ask God for all the things that we need and to express appreciation? So why did God need to hold back the rain? And of course, we could ask that question about our own prayers, right? We, why doesn't God just provide us for our needs? But I think that perhaps, and there's a number of explanations for this that I'd like to explore but the first thing is that if we didn't need to pray for whatever needs, how often would we actually communicate with our creator? It's sad, but the, I work with senior citizens. And I could tell you that oftentimes there are children who neglect and abandon their parents. For what reason? Well, there's nothing specific they need. So they wait for Father's Day, Mother's Day to reach out to their aging parent. And I think the message to us really is that, of course, we would be able to pray and be grateful for all the things in our life. But would it be the first thing on our minds? Would it happen consistently? 
You know, don't we all have friends who perhaps aren't in touch with us, whether it's for days, months, or even years until they need something? You know those types of people. Or even the rabbi who's not in touch unless he needs a donation. And perhaps this is why God planned the system in such a way that the conversion process for our needs is only realized when we actually ask God and pray for it. It helps ensure that we actually come to the table and recognize the source of the blessings in our lives. IFM 101.9 megahertz of life. And welcome back. We're going to be concluding today's discussion about prayer. And today we've been talking about how God actually thirsts for our prayers. God wants us to ask for things. And that's why God created the world in such a way that our blessings are converted from the spiritual world to the physical world by us asking for it. And there are many forms of prayer, but making requests for our personal expresses, whatever whatever those personal requests might be, but that expresses our relationship with God in a very powerful way. And it ensures, firstly, our animals, so that we discussed previously, that might not be interested in prayer, rather play than pray, is interested too because it has needs. And so the animal so realizes, well, if I need healing, if I need health, I need wealth, whatever other things I need, are, we demonstrate our commitment to God through prayer and we maintain that relationship, that connection. So let's see. There's a couple of questions people have been asking. And uh, let me see how we could try to address some of these questions before we go. So Michael asks here, well, if God already decided my my fate, how can prayer change anything? That's a good question, Michael. And I first would like to say that obviously what's been decided on the days of awe, that God's allotment of kindness, we're going to receive that for the year, but we have to pray in order for that to become part of our life. But I think we, we, we pretty much discussed that here, that indeed the blessing is yours. It's just a matter of bringing it into your life. So let me look at this next question from Rachel. Doesn't God know what I want? <laughs> so why do I need to inform him of my needs? Okay, Rachel, good, good point. Of course God knows what you want. I agree. And uh, prayer isn't, we don't need to provide God with information. God certainly knows, but I think as we've been discussing, God wants that relationship with us. God wants a genuine connection with you. God shows you you're indispensable to God's plan. And so perhaps by us asking God for our needs, we are able to cultivate that relationship. And that's why God programmed the world operating in such a way that some of our allotted blessing is in this way only manifests itself when we ask for it. It's it's not that different from perhaps uh perhaps the idea that God uh that all our allotted blessings could only you could only have it, you know, you're not gonna have wealth if you don't go to work. God helps those who help themselves, they say. And we have an expression God helps those who help others. So of course God knows what you want. God knows that you want to earn a living but because God desires that we work, God programmed the system in such a way that we have no choice but to actually get up every day, go to work, and that's the way you're going to bring those blessings into your life. And if you don't go to work, no matter how many blessings are bestowed to you on the ho- holidays, 
I don't know that those blessings are actually going to come into your life unless you do something to make them come into your life. So yes, God does know, but God wants a relationship with you. So good question. Let's see how many more questions we have time for here. This is an anonymous asking. There are many people who have blessings without prayer. So again, why pray? Well, I guess you could say the analogy we discussed that just as Adam was born into a world that, of course, uh, had everything he needed, right? Human beings are born into a world where blessings abound all around us. And indeed, you don't have to ask God for those things. You are you breathing every day without asking God for that blessing. There are many things that come to us without prayer because God and, and God's infinite kindness, they recur automatically. They're there. We have them. But just as Adam could only receive that rain that we discussed from the Gemara and Chulin earlier, that it could only come through prayer, so too each of us we have certain treasures that cannot be translated into the physical realm without our prayers. So indeed, the blessing is yours. But if you want it, you need to do something to have it. So, of course, we have blessings that are here, that are in our life. But indeed, for other blessings, certain treasures, we need to do something for those blessings to come into our life. Let's see. Okay, one more question that came through here. And that is, why are my prayers unanswered? Okay. Shoo, I don't know why your prayers aren't answered. I know it could be very crushing when indeed we pour out our souls. We ask God for something. I know in my life I've done so. And sometimes we don't get the answer we want. Or maybe we feel ignored and our prayers are unanswered. And... Firstly, I would say a person shouldn't be despondent because, you know, you're in good company. Moshe Rabbeinu, he prayed so many times to go to Israel and his, his, his prayer was rejected. We read it in the Parsha a few weeks ago. And from Moshe's perspective, his entire life was leading up to that moment. He carried the burden of the Jewish people 40 years through the wilderness and he feels his prayers rejected. I beseech God, he says. So I don't know that I have sufficient time to really answer that. And I know a few weeks ago you could go through the podcasts. We did discuss that concept when it came to that Parsha. But I would say that indeed, I don't think any prayer goes unanswered, but maybe the, maybe we don't appreciate the answer. Maybe it's not the answer we want. You know, first of all, a lack of response might only be a delay in the system that we've been describing before, the Seder Ha'ishtalshalus, maybe for whatever reason, maybe it's a challenge in our life. As the Talmud puts it, I don't like to use, you know, negative language, whether it's, whether it's a retribution, a punishment for something, uh, maybe we shouldn't focus on that, but maybe the, the trials and tribulations of life is a challenge that God gives us. Maybe we're not ready for, for the answer that we want. So, the, the Talmud says that some prayers take time to be answered. Some take 40 days, others take 20 days, others come right away. I don't know, I don't understand that system, so I can't really answer it sufficiently, but I certainly could share with you some insights of things that I've learned. Now, in general, the very nature of prayer is that we're converting these allotted blessings and kindness from God to become part of our world. And obviously, as we mentioned earlier, God judges us every day if we're worthy and deserving of these. So don't give up. Maybe you could do another mitzvah that will merit you that 
blessing in your life. Perhaps also you could say that our prayers are effective in eliciting the blessings that God granted us in Rosh Hashanah. And maybe next week we could talk about what about, what about a person's faith? Could we change it? That's, that's a good point as well. But to conclude, I think we have to keep in mind that even when our prayers are not answered, there is something valuable that's achieved by us praying. That we're connecting with God and God wants that communication. God wants that relationship with us. So when our prayers aren't answered or perhaps answered in a way that we don't like, we have to remember it's not just about getting stuff about whatever we want, but it's also about strengthening our relationship with Hashem. So remember that and realize that despite our perspective, I think it's all, it's important to take a moment and reflect on the fact that as clever as we are, our perspectives are limited. God has a master plan. We don't understand always what that plan is. So even if the answer is not one that we appreciate, we have to realize that perhaps it's part of God's greater plan. And maybe another day we'll come to appreciate that. For now, my friends, wishing you a fabulous and meaningful Shabbos. Slichot this Saturday night. For now, Carpe Diem sees every moment you've got.